Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the emergency medicine residents and faculty at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Core Concepts of Emergency Medicine. Welcome to this week's Core Concepts, brought to you by the EM Guidewire team from Carolina's Medical Center EM Group. Today we have a bunch of dudes. Myself, Russell Tregonis. Sean Murray. And Greg London. Dude Squad. That smell that's coming through your speakers right now is the smell of rich mahogany, a good bourbon, and scrub ah. musk. This week's show is brought to you by Respiratory Therapists. RTs, the magical people who make the ventilators stop alarming. RTs. Now let's get on with the show. So today we're going to be talking about ED ventilator management. Now, as we discuss this topic, we might go in a different direction than we normally do with our podcast. Here we normally use a space to discuss the sexy outliers, not just like a regular GI bleed, but one that's emergently dying in front of you. We don't talk about the general principles of lupus management, though we do sing them. But what we really want to talk about is when a patient with lupus is crashing in front of you. Today we're taking a step back from that and actually going with ventilator management's kind of back to the basics. Not sure how we are going to fill up a whole podcast. I can handle this in five seconds. Hey, RT, I tubed a guy. Can you put him on the vent for me? Thanks, man. I mean, honestly, you're not totally wrong. At the end of the day, most of us have access to respiratory therapists wherever we work, and they're always able to help set up the vent and take the pressure off of you. But at the same time, we like to think of ourselves as masters of the airway, and that should go a bit beyond just putting a piece of plastic down their throat. Well, it's actually supposed to go in their trachea, not just the throat. All right, that's enough foreplay. Let's get on into the core of it. There's going to be four main settings that we're going to use to try and manage our ventilator. And they're going to be, number one, the ventilator mode. Two, the volume we start the patients at. Three, the rate. And four is going to be kind of a hybrid between our FiO2 and our PEEP, two settings we use to kind of help manage the oxygenation. So let's start with the modes. Sean? Yeah, there's really two main modes that we're going to be utilizing down in the ED. There's, there's far more than that once they get up to the ICU, but while they're down with us, uh, pretty much we're going to be putting patients on pressure-regulated volume control, or PRVC. If you don't know anything else about ventilators, this is probably the setting that most of your patients are on. This mode is going to deliver a set volume. You can also set the respiratory rate, uh, but it will assist with any of the spontaneous breaths that the patient has on their own. You can adjust the pressure to find the minimum pressure necessary to deliver the breath in a set time frame. Okay, so PRVC, we set the volume and respiratory rate, but if the patient breathes on their own, it helps them. Also, it's gonna constantly adjust to find the minimum pressure to deliver that breath. So it's a very smart setting, almost like a little RT packed inside of your ventilator. PRVC is actually kind of a more advanced mode that has replaced an older mode that people might be familiar with called volume assist control ventilation. This is gonna deliver a set volume at a set rate. It also assists with any spontaneous breaths, but does not alter the pressure at which it delivers those breaths. Gotcha. So volume assist control ventilation, also called ACV or volume control, gives that same volume, gives that set respiratory rate, but doesn't really manage your pressure for it. Makes sense. The next aspect of vent control we'll talk about is the volume for which we deliver. And let's talk first a little bit about generalities again. If you're looking at your average male versus your average female, we're going to do a difference in what volume we will give them. The formula, as I'm sure everyone remembers and loves doing math on the top of their head right after you intubate somebody, is 6 to 8 milliliters per kilogram based on your ideal body weight. So if you're an average 5'10 male, that works out to be 440 to 580 milliliters. If you're your average 5'4 female, 
that works out to be roughly 330 to 440 milliliters. But again, let's work on keeping things simple. If you're intubating a normal dude, set it at 500 milliliters. And if you're intubating a normal female, set your volume at 400 milliliters. Yeah, that's well said, Craig. So keeping simple numbers is going to be the reason why we're doing this. Now, these numbers are actually based on kind of the ARDSnet studies, primarily used in the ICU, but basically we're trying to reduce any type of barotrauma to the lung from using high volume. So we use these lower volumes here, and they should provide adequate ventilation for most of our patients. So a guy, 500 cc's, a girl, 400 cc's. If you have an average-sized person, those should be good volumes. What do we got next, Sean? So the next thing that we're going to talk about is rate. What you're actually setting here on the ventilator is the minimum respiratory rate, which encompasses a couple of different things. This incorporates the flow and the inspiratory and expiratory ratio. All these different components uh, come together to help deliver the breath. Really, when you're manipulating the rate, what you're hoping to do is change the amount of ventilation that you're doing. And this is aimed at managing CO2. If you're just intubating somebody and you want to set them up on the most basic ventilator settings, set them at a rate of 16. This is what's going to be documented in the chart anyway. If you're dealing with more obstructive pathology like COPD, you can shift your rate maybe more towards 10. Whereas if you're trying to compensate for an acidosis, maybe like a salicylate toxicity, you want to match the patient's respiratory rate as high as you can, maybe up as high as 30. So once again, good information to review here. So we're setting our minimum respiratory rate, and the patient might breathe above that, but we just want to make sure we're getting the minimum. A good initial rate for all comers is going to be 16 breaths per minute. Now, we might need to make adaptations as we go, possibly dropping the respiratory rate if they have obstructive pathology or raising it with compensation. But once again, we're focusing on the basics. Start your patient on 16. So next, we're going to transition about talking about FiO2 and PEEP. Not marshmallow little ducks that you eat at Easter, but positive inexpiratory pressure. The marshmallows count too. The goal here is oxygenation. So what Sean just talked about, increasing the respiratory rate or altering the respiratory rate, again, is ventilation dealing with CO2. Here we're worried more about oxygenation. The target oxygen saturation we would like to get our intubated patients at is anywhere from 88 to 95%. So why do you pick those numbers, Craig? So this all goes back to the oxygen saturation curve that we all learned and forgotten so well. So once you get your oxygenation up to 88%, the oxygen curve does plateau out. So you don't get as much added benefit when your oxygen saturations are greater than 88%. Yeah, that's good. And on the other side of it, we know that too much oxygen actually can cause some problems. So unlike your normal regular breathing person where you're, sh where you're expecting to see 100%, just getting a goal above 88% or somewhere between 88 and 95% is going to be pretty good for your ventilated patient. Now, how can we try and optimize that? So if you go up on your FiO2, you're delivering more oxygen. If you're going up on your PEEP, then you're actually delivering oxygen more efficiently. Yeah, so that's a really good way of looking at it. So as we go up on our FiO2, we're shoving more oxygen down this patient's trachea. Thank you again for that, Sean. But as we're going up on the PEEP, we're making them use that oxygen a little bit better. And this kind of brings us back to our lung pathology or lung physiology. And we'll have a couple of pictures in the show notes here. But basically, as we increase PEEP, we increase our recruitment of alveoli. As we increase our recruitment of alveoli, we have more potential space available for oxygen exchange. So more popped open alveoli, more oxygen that can go to your capillaries, more eventual oxygen delivery to your lungs. So we're making whatever oxygen we're giving it, we're making it more efficient. We're able to deliver to more of our capillary beds and provide more oxygenated blood going forward. So we've got both FiO2 and we've got PEEP, and we can adjust both of these things depending on whether we're looking for more oxygenation or more ventilation. But in reality and in practice, you really need to adjust both of these things to tailor them to the patient that you have in front of you. And so I, we keep referencing back to the same ARDSnet study, but it really came out with a lot of great data. 
And what they did is they provided a kind of a stepwise ladder for you to adjust your FiO2 and PEEP in fashion with one another. If you're starting off at the basic setting of 30% FiO2, you can probably start with a PEEP of 5. As you start stepping up your oxygen, you get up near 50%, your PEEP should probably increase proportionally to that, to 10. If you're delivering 100% FiO2, you really need to be at a PEEP of 20 or so. And you can see the table in our show notes as well. Yeah, once again, this is a good stepwise fashion. We don't just have to use one setting to try and maximize our oxygenation. We can use both to help them work together. And here you can try and remember it in a simple way. Basic settings, patient has no problems with oxygenation. Let's start them on a PEEP of 5 with FiO2 of 30%. Say their SATs aren't where we want them to be. Let's bump it up, make their FiO2 50% and their PEEP 10. That's still not working. Let's take one more big step up, go all the way up to FiO2 of 100% and a PEEP of 20. And this is going to allow us to kind of maximize the amount of benefit we can get from that oxygen we're delivering. That's awesome. So we went over four basic concepts that should help guide us towards managing the ventilator for your average person intubated in your ED. Let's take a second and review those things for what we would put a patient that we just intubated, a random average guy. Sean, what settings would we pick? So if I've intubated the patient and I'm reaching with my right hand to find the ventilator and hook things up and I'm dialing some stuff up, I'm probably going to dial up some PRVC and look to Craig to tell me what rate to put it at. I would start at 16. 16 sounds like a perfect number. What about volume? Volume, well, we said this is your average guy, so 500 cc's. And finally, how are we going to oxygenate him? Let's say his oxygen saturation was pretty good. We pre-oxygenated him well. What are you going to do for your PEEP and FiO2? Yeah, if this is a guy I'm just intubating for airway protection, I'm going to put him on the basically the, the minimum ventilator settings, 30% FiO2 with a PEEP of 5. I love it. So we have a patient on PRVC. We're doing 500 cc's of volume based off of his ideal size, rate of 16, because that's a pretty number, and FiO2 of 30% with a PEEP of 5. That's a pretty good ventilator setting to start any average male on, and we can kind of go from there. All right, so that's a great summary for it. So we know the basics of how we're going to start our patients on the ventilator. Now let's take it into a more clinical world and let's work through a couple of cases. All right, case number one. We've got a 71-year-old guy who got called out by medic for altered mental status. When medic got there, he was noted to have significant right-sided deficits, was drooling, and his mental status was going downhill quickly. Now they managed to get an initial set of vital signs on him, heart rate of 89, blood pressure 168 over 92, pulse ox of 100% and breathing at a comfortable rate of 16. They also got a glucose, which is appropriate. So in short, we got a guy coming in, high concern for a stroke, and now we've got a worsening mental status to the point that we're concerned we might have to intubate this person. Sean, you step up to the table, put that blade in, get the tube in, secure your airway. What are you going to do with your vent? Now, this is a patient that I don't think needs a, a, a lot of magic in terms of their oxygenation or their ventilation. We're putting plastic in their throat to make sure that they maintain their and airway security. Sean. Thank you, Dr. Tregonis. We're putting a piece of plastic in their trachea to make sure that they don't aspirate and that they can protect their airway. So I'm going to go with my basic ventilator settings here. PRVC, 30% FiO2, 5 a peep, delivered 16 times a minute, 500 cc's of breath. Perfect. We have a patient that we don't think has any underlying pulmonary disease. We're intubating them for airway protection, and we're going to go with basic settings. Now, small caveat here, obviously, if this patient gets hypoxic in any way, that's a bad thing. Patients with strokes, things that we're concerned about, bad stuff in the brain, Got to make sure we're oxygenating him well, but if he has good lungs and he was previously saturating okay, those will probably be pretty good settings to start off on. I love it. Great work, Dr. Murray. Well, let's go on to case two. Craig, you're up this time. Got a 55-year-old dude with history of COPD. When medic got to him, he was notably tachypnic, severe increased work of breathing, so they put him on BiPAP. On BiPAP, seemed to get a little bit better initially, but then his mental status started waxing and waning. 
started making some gagging noises like he was about to throw up. As he's coming into your room, initial vital signs, heart rate of 89, blood pressure, let's say 160 over 90, but your oxygen saturation is 100%, but he's breathing pretty quick, 28 times. And we're still on the BiPAP at this point in time. What are you going to do? Can I page RT overhead? Yes, please do. They're, they're tied up somewhere else. So the patient presents on BiPAP, not tolerating it well. We got to move to intubation. After I flawlessly pull off my intubation, I now need to figure out what kind of ventilator settings I need as respiratory therapy is nowhere to be seen. So again, let's stick to the basics. I'm going to get this patient on PRVC. I'm going to set his tidal volume at 500 cc's. I'm going to set his rate initially at 16, and I'm going to have 30% FiO2 and just 5 of PEEP. Okay, so those seem like perfect settings. So we intubate the patient, we put him on those respiratory settings. Now let's say you get a blood gas a couple of minutes from there. Now our pH is 7.2, our PCO2 is kind of border, is getting close to 100, our PO2 is fine, uh, and our lactate is slowly climbing. We're up to 2.8 at this point in time. You want to make any changes? No, I do not. And why not? Because I want to allow some permissive hypercapnia. And that's perfect here, because at this point in time, we don't want to play too much with the vent to try and compromise this patient's hemodynamics. So their CO2 is a little bit elevated. That's okay. We'll help them blow it off with time. We don't want to rush to do it now. So that's, I love what you said there, Craig. This is a perfect patient for permissive hypercapnia. Now let's make it one more step more complicated. Let's say you have this same patient. You put them on those initial settings. Your initial gas looked like that, but now his vital signs are starting to get a little bit worse. He's becoming more tachycardic. His blood pressure went from 160 to 150. You walked out of the room for five minutes. You ate a sandwich. You came back in. Blood pressure now is kind of 90 systolic. What are you thinking? Well, if that's the case, I think the first thing I would do in the spirit of keeping things simple is to decrease the respiratory rate. We were at 16. I would maybe take it down to 10. I'd be worried about kind of some breath stacking uh, and hyperinflation of the lungs. So if the initial decrease in respiratory rate doesn't help, then I would think about taking down the PEEP from 5 to 0. Zeep. I love it. Good old Zeep. So those are all perfect changes. I mean, this is a very complicated patient again. Initially came in with COPD, obstructive pathology. We started our initial vent settings. They became hemodynamically worse because just like you said, we have breath stacking. And then we wanted to make changes. So what we did, we decreased our respiratory rate. We decreased our PEEP as we were able to tolerate. And yeah, maybe the patient became a little bit more hypercapnic, but our concern here is making sure, one, we're oxygenating, and two, we're getting blood where it needs to go. We don't want to compromise this hemodynamics too much. Tough case, Craig. Didn't think you had it in you. Okay, finally, let's go on to case three. Sean, bring us home here. So here we have a 68-year-old female, history of, let's say, hypertension, diabetes, and now caught a bad old case of the flu. She's coming in with medic on supplemental oxygen. Her initial heart rates in the 110s, 120s. Blood pressure is okay right now, 130 systolic. But our pulse ox is sitting in the mid-70s. We're tachypnic 20, 25 times a minute. You get a chest x-ray and it looks like someone just took a white paintbrush over both lungs. What are you thinking here? I think this is a great one to talk about. It's something that we need to be prepared to see here over the next couple of months. Uh, we might see some ARDS or ARDS. This is where we got all our data, the ARDS net. And I am thinking that this patient has a high potential for decompensation no matter what I do. But I need to protect this patient's airway. I need to get some better oxygen there. So I am going to intubate. Okay, you intubate this patient. What are your initial vent settings? Not going to get too fancy here. I'm going to go with the basic settings. Respiratory rate of 16, FiO2 of 30%, PEEP of 5, delivering 400 cc's per breath. Okay, so we start off on our basic settings. You check out the monitor. The patient's pulse ox went from 71 to 79. How are you feeling about that? 
Mm, I feel better than 71, but I've got some more work to do. So this is a patient that after you intubate, I think you need to stay near, not just walk out of the room, and be prepared to make some changes. Any particular changes you want to make here to try and improve this patient's oxygenation? First step is to increase your FiO2. Uh, let's move up to 50%, and uh, stepwise, we'll go up on the PEEP to keep that in line, uh, put it up to 10. Okay, so we went from 30 and 5, and that's your FiO2 and PEEP, up to 50% and 10. Let's say our oxygen saturation improves to, say, 86%. You happy with that yet? I'm not quite happy with 86%. I want to get up higher than 88%, anywhere from 88 to 95%. As Dr. London taught us before, got to remember that oxygen dissociation curve and think back to medical school. Okay, so we initially went from 30 and 5 to 50 and 10. Where are you jumping to this time, Sean? I think let's go all the way up. This is a patient that's needing lots of support. Let's go to 100% FiO2 and a PEEP of 20. We can always dial it back once they get up to the ICU or once we've stabilized the patient in the emergency department. All right. I love it. We've stepped up in a stepwise fashion, and now we're up at 100% FiO2 and a PEEP of 20. Now, hopefully this patient will be able to tolerate these settings. We can make changes as they need if the patient becomes hypotensive, things like that. But right now, our concern is oxygenation. So Sean appropriately went through all of his settings, increased them in a stepwise fashion to both increase our oxygen delivery as well as efficiency, and finally got our patient up. You know what? Your sats are at 100% right now. You're doing great, Sean. That's good. I needed a win today. All right. So I thought that was our final case, but you know what? We got one more curveball. Craig, back on the stand. So case number four, we got a 31-year-old guy with history of type 1 diabetes. He's coming in and looking pretty crummy as he comes in. Heart rate's in the 120s, blood pressure's getting a little bit soft, let's say hundreds over 70s. Right now he's saturating okay, 100%, but he's super tachypnic, respiratory rate up to 36, and his mental status isn't the best mental status I've ever heard. You putting a tube in this guy? I do not want to put a tube in this guy. That's the right answer. So we want to do everything we can to avoid that because the patient's doing everything they can to try and compensate for their underlying metabolic acidosis by blowing off all that CO2. Now, unfortunately, let's say this patient starts getting nauseous, starts vomiting, their mental status wanes, gets even worse. Let's say we have to intubate him. So once again, you intubate him like the pro that you are. What are you going to do for his vent? So initially, we always kind of start on our basic settings, but this might be one case where we make a change from the get-go. I'm still going to go with our tidal volume of 500 cc's because he's an average guy. I'm still going to go with an FiO2 of 30 and a PEEP of 5, but as we just kind of talked about, he's doing everything he can to blow off the CO2, and if I start him at a rate of 16, I could cause some harm right away. Therefore, I go ahead and start him at a high rate at 30. Good. So we're trying to match this patient's previous minute ventilation, trying to help him blow off as much CO2, match what he was doing initially. So a respiratory rate of 30 will be perfectly appropriate for this patient. Now, that's a pretty high respiratory rate on this ventilator. Anything you're concerned about with that? I would be worried a little bit about some auto peep or air trapping that can occur when you have a respiratory rate this high. Exactly. That's going to have a very high chance of that. Now, we can watch the ventilator monitor itself and see if we can pick up little subtle waveforms, things like that, but what's the thing we care about? What are we going to watch for this patient? We're going to keep a lookout for the hemodynamics, making sure that they're staying normotensive. I love it. So let's watch this patient's hemodynamics very closely. We don't want to have any auto-peep, don't want to have any extra air trapping, and as we continue going up on those respiratory rates, we have a higher chance of that. In addition, continue doing all the things we do well. Aggressively fluid resuscitate this patient. Also, something else we don't think about as much, maybe this is a patient to really keep sedated and paralyzed. We want to have them breathing comfortably with the vent. We don't want them coughing. We don't want them taking additional breaths and possibly stacking on top of it. We want to try and match them, compensate for them, 
but let the vent do the work. All right, guys, that was a lot of kind of heavy hitting information that we covered here today. We went through all of the basic settings for the vent, and once again, we'll have attached show notes kind of walking through those settings and why we picked each of them. Great work again, team. Okay, let's run it through one more time. You got the patient you intubated. How are you setting their vents? Basic settings. Lead us off, Sean. Uh, first thing to pick is the mode, and I am, in general, going to pick PRBC. I love it. What do you do for volume, Craig? Is this a man or a woman? We're going to make this patient a average size male patient. I'm going to start with 500 cc's per breath. And an average size female patient? 400 cc's per breath. I love it. And what about the rate? I'm going 16. That's what's in the chart. 16 is in the chart, and we're going to do that, and that should give most of our patients adequate ventilation. And then finally, our FiO2 and PEEP? 30 and 5. And if the patient's oxygenation doesn't match it? We increase in a stepwise fashion. First, the FI2 would go up to 50 and PEEP to 10. And if we need to make a further jump because we're not oxygenating well enough, we go to 120. I love it, guys. So those are going to be the basic settings you'll do for every ventilator patient that comes in. So hopefully next time, if that RT is next door and you have to do this yourself, you won't just press buttons and twist dials like normal. Or will you? I still will. From the J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studios, this is EM Guidewire. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go, be awesome today. Seems you know. So, sorry I burped. Okay, so bad I don't know what hole that came out of. (laughs) Doodles.